the universe has our back. It's our own minds. It's our own state of fear. It's our own ego. It's our own, this has to get done X, Y, and Z way, or I have to accomplish this in this certain amount of time. That is what blocks us. The universe is on our side. It wants to provide for us. It's our own expectations and attachments to outcomes that prevent us from actually getting to where we want to be. I want to start off this listener episode Q&A today by saying when it comes to anything revolving our sex or our dating lives, our personal lives, our love lives, our intimacy, our eroticism, please don't force it. Forcing it will be a recipe for a disaster. So just open up to yourself, to your partner, and just allow it. Don't force anything. Let go of any expectations or clinging on to a certain outcome. This is all about exploration and having fun and just coming into our best sexual selves. Hello everyone, welcome to Sup Witches. My name is Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to be starting off each and every podcast, if applicable, um, with a listener question. So from my last episode, I got three different listener questions. I got a lot of great feedback, so please keep the comments rolling. Feel free to send me on Instagram or send me a voice memo to be featured on the show. But from last week's episode, uh, my TMI segment, which I'll be doing a TMI Thursday or Tuesday, uh, one day a week where we talk all about sex and all that juicy goodness. And I got a couple questions. So in that episode, we explored sexual fantasies, sex drive, cuck queening and cuck holding and other BDSM, like all that fun stuff. And the first question that's pretty straightforward that I will address is, are you sure that monogamy isn't natural or normal? And first off, I want to normalize everything that we do. Every feeling, every fantasy is normal because you are not the only one. And I think I prefaced in the episode that your sexual fantasies are probably not as unique as you think. So one, I'm going strictly based off of research and statistically proven data that no monogamy is not natural. We are, if you look at the animal kingdom, we're kind of the only, one of the only primates that chooses monogamy. I think penguins mate for life and a couple others, maybe dolphins. But if you look at all the other animal species, they are in groups, they're in pairs. So as humans, we are an animal, mammals, we know this, but monogamy is not, it's not natural. It's not biologically, physiologically, anatomically natural, unfortunately, but it is a choice. Just like going on, I don't know, a vegan diet is a choice. Just like going on TikTok or Instagram using technology, it's not natural. Our ancestors were not using technology and computers, but it is a choice and it is something we have to dedicate to and choose. Now, some people are more monogamous naturally than others. However, as humans, I will clarify that no, we are not a monogamous species strictly from a data and research perspective. That is a fact. That is not my opinion. Number two, someone had asked me that they don't feel anything anymore when they're having sex with their partner. And I completely understand this. I've been there. Sometimes I am there, even though I'm in a loving, 
committed relationship, I dissociate and my mind goes elsewhere. I feel completely numb and detached and sex isn't as enjoyable for me as it once was or, you know, it kind of waxes and wanes. I would really say, one, get inquisitive about what's going on with you and your partner. Are you in a happy relationship? Is the passion still there? Do you feel a sex drive or an attraction towards your partner, both physically and mentally? Two, what are your activities that you're doing beforehand? Are you skipping foreplay? Because this is a boner killer for a lot of women. Um, It hurts and we need to be lubricated and warmed up. A lot of sex is mental, so a lot of attraction and arousal starts in the brain. So you have to get your brain turned on. And lastly, I want you to inquire about how you're feeling within yourself. What's going on? Are you harboring any resentment? Have you cleared any past sexual traumas? Are you working on this actively in therapy? And maybe try couples or sex therapy. That's been tremendously helpful for me personally in the past and still continues to kind of get those skeletons out of the metaphorical closet, which in my case is my vagina. So check in, just check in, communicate, and try to spice things up, change things up, because as humans, we this the same thing every single time. It gets real boring real quick. We don't look forward to it, and uh, it can kind of take its toll on our relationships. So that's why we have to keep things spicy. The third question that someone posed was, You talked about this on your show, but why didn't you bring up your sexual fantasy with your boyfriend when you had the opportunity? And if I'm being completely honest with everyone, it's because I felt embarrassed. A lot of us harbor shame or embarrassment, fear of being rejected, not just to express our sexual fantasies to our partner, but just to express our truth and our honest opinion and what's going on in our mind. We feel like we're going to be judged. And that's how I felt. I thought that if I told Nick about what I was fantasizing about, he'd be turned off or he would judge me or he would actually think that I really wanted him to go off and get with another girl, which at the current moment, I really don't. Um, (laughs) Fantasies are fantasies for a reason. Sometimes they're just best in our heads. So as many people, I just felt a great deal like there's a stigma around sexual fantasies some more than others i think threesomes are more normalized than others or bdsm is more normalized than what i was where i was coming from with cut cleaning so i just felt that stigma i really did and it's i'm working to unpack it i'm working on it and maybe one day i will voice this to my boyfriend if i feel ready because you don't ever have to feel obligated to tell someone something that's going on in your mind. You kind of discern it with your own judgment, use your intuition to guide you. And then when you feel the moment is ready or you feel like it's a good time, then you can come forward, but never feel obligated. It's all your own personal decision. Our bodies are our choice. And I thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. Keep coming at me with the questions. I'd be more than happy to address them or at least share my perspective and my opinion on the matter. So let's get into today's show. Another listener question we got here was, how often should I be having sex with my partner? How many times a week is quote unquote normal to be engaging in sex? And to preface, I want to ask you to think about what do you... What have you been told is a normal amount? By society standards, in my opinion, 
it would seem like we should be having sex every time we see our partner. I don't think this is fair. I don't think this is realistic. And I really don't think this is helpful. I want to ask you the notion of where you came around this belief that a certain amount of times is normal. Just like the good old question, how many people have you slept with? And it's like, is that too much? Is that too little? Who is to say? I'm not to say how many times is normal. I think that's a conversation you and your partner have to have and come to a mutual agreement on. And I would just ask you to debunk this belief around, I need to sleep with this person X amount of times a week to be normal or keep the relationship alive. Because everyone has different levels of sex drive. Everyone's libido is different. And I would suggest to you, what acts of sex can you engage in without full penile vaginal intercourse, PV intercourse? Maybe some, I don't know, heavy petting is sufficient enough. Maybe oral sex, maybe hands on genitals sex. Like, does it always have to come to sex? Can you engage in other activities that get the job done, so to speak, or act as a way to bond with your partner? Because in the beginning of a relationship, you may be fucking five times a day, and then it comes down to five times a week, and then it comes down to five times a month, etc. So I really believe that you have to have sit down with your partner and have a conversation around this. Communicate how many times a week or day would be good enough for you and see if you can come to an agreement. Because maybe for your partner, one time a week is good. And for you, you want to have sex seven times a week. I know for me personally, I could go a long period of time without having sex, months. Um, I went close to a year without having sex. And this it really didn't become a problem until about month nine. Because for me, I get the job done just as good myself. I rarely orgasm during sex. It maybe happens one out of every 10 times I have sex. So I could get the job done myself. And for me personally, this is good enough. But remember that sex isn't always about the orgasm. It's really about sharing a bonding experience and connecting with your partner. So get rid of any old adages that tell you you have to have sex X amount of times to be quote unquote normal and just listen to yourself. Write down how many times would be good for you, what this would include, and then share your ideas honestly and openly with your partner and maybe be willing to come to an agreement or a negotiation because everyone's relationship is completely different and that is okay. Our next listener question is so close to my heart because I was quite literally thinking this all of last month and I'm sure this is something we can all relate to is how can I trust the universe when everything fucking sucks? They didn't say fucking, but you guys know me. I'm very crude. How can I trust the universe when nothing is going my way? Damn, this hit home because in November, as many of you know, I quit my job, which I had no cause to quit my job. I didn't have anything lined up. I just quit on a whim because that's what my intuition was telling me to do. I was very unhappy super burnt out, wasn't giving my best, and it just wasn't satisfying me anymore. It wasn't fulfilling. And I knew something better was out there for me. I just knew deep down, even if there was no evidence in the physical world, in this mortal world, to support that belief, I just, I knew I was made for more than what I was currently doing. So I quit my job. The first month is great. I have no responsibilities, nothing to wake up, to go to work to, no setting on a 
alarm. And it was really nice. And then another month passes and another month passes and I'm going on interviews and nothing is working out. And it just felt like I was getting rejected and rejected. And after a while, I felt completely empty. I'm going to spare you all the details. But if you've been listening, you know, I just felt like I had no purpose anymore. I had no motivation to do anything. Nothing was working out. And so many jobs that I thought were meant for me presented themselves and it didn't end up that I got the jobs and it was very disappointing and by February I was really depressed I was super down in the dumps I'd been denied unemployment so I wasn't getting any income and all I felt was frustrated and discouraged and if I had no reason to be here anymore because I felt like no one wanted me and on one hand I was like Universe, why would you tell me to quit my job if like nothing else is out there for me? Why are you throwing a carrot and dangling it in my face and then pulling it from me? I feel like the rug was pulled from underneath my feet and now I'm left with nothing. I'm worse than I was back in November when I was in that shitty job. And what I have to tell you is this. Hold on. Sounds so cliche. But bear with me. Hold the fuck on, sister or brother. Because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know we can't see it sometimes. But my process was I was trying and trying and desperately clinging and grasping and feeling in this place of scarcity and lack and just inferiority. And I was doing everything wrong. I was so trying to control the situation that I had to learn to surrender it. And once I learned to surrender it, I had to give gratitude for where I was at now, even if it wasn't where I wanted to be. And I had to meditate on on it. I had to pray on it. And I said, God, please light the way. Let me give this up to you because I clearly don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I have to trust that even if I can't see it now, there is a way. And if something's not working out for me, it means because I'm meant for something better. What's meant for me will come to me. I won't have to force it. I won't have to manipulate it. I won't have to push. And if something doesn't work out, let me give thanks for that. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. There's been many times where, in particular, one of my girlfriends quit, I think, at the end of the month, the same month as I did. And she got a job right away. And this one friend had a lot less education than me, a lot less experience. And we both applied for the same job and she got it. And it was like $20,000 more than what we were both getting paid because we worked at the same job previously. And I was so resentful. I was so jealous. I was so envious of this friend. I'm like, she's like 21 years old. Why does she need this much money? You know? And um, that, that disdain, that hatred really prevents you from manifesting something on a high frequency because you're, that's such low vibrational energy. So it wasn't until I could surrender it up to the universe, ask God how to release this desperation, this longing, this validation and gratification that I needed from my external circumstances. And it wasn't until I could let go of that and release and find the greater purpose, find the higher mission. You know, the last few months were 
quite confusing for me. But there were so many beautiful blessings, even if they weren't coming from my surroundings. You know, I published my third book. My relationship with my boyfriend grew a lot closer. And I was focused on self-growth. I was working with spiritual coaches and energy counselors. And I did a lot of healing. And a lot of my wounds, a lot of the places in which I needed to heal were shown to me. They became very clear. So I sought guidance when I needed it. And I tried to tune into my inner spirit, my higher self. And eventually I did manifest a job. And I keep manifesting jobs. And it's so funny because now that I started working, last week I got three calls for jobs. And I said to my boyfriend, I'm like, it's so ironic how the second we stop needing something or the second we stop wanting something, we let go of that grasp. That's when it floods to us. That's when it comes because it's all about energy. And if you focus on what you're not getting, if you focus on how miserable you are, how things aren't working out, you're just going to continue to attract more of that and see more of that because energy flows where attention goes. So all in all, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Take small steps every day to get you there. And I promise you, even if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you have to hold on and keep pushing forward because maybe you're super far away right now, but eventually you will get closer and closer and closer and you will see that light. I promise you. All right, switching gears here. So our next listener question, this was a very interesting question and thank you so much for your vulnerability and everyone sending in their questions. But this listener has been following me on Instagram and TikTok. I just am new to the TikTok game, but she basically explained that she has a history of an eating disorder and noticed that, I mean, I myself had an eating disorder. So she asked me if it's safe and okay to do keto with a history of eating disorder. Now, first off, I will say, although I do have a diploma in nutrition, I'm not a registered dietitian and I am not a medical doctor. So please, if you do have an eating disorder, even a history of an eating disorder, I would suggest working with an eating disorder therapist and or nutritionist and seeing your doctor to make sure everything is okay before starting any diet, of course. So for me personally, I struggled with bulimia and restrictive eating and binge eating for over 10 years. Now, I am going to also add that I have been eating disorder behavior free for I want to say three years. So I didn't start keto until last year. So if you are still in the midst of your recovery, I would say definitely proceed with caution and it also depends on which eating disorder you have been diagnosed with. If you have struggled with anorexia, keto is definitely not for you because it's very restrictive and we don't need any more excuses to restrict ourselves or not eat or count calories. I would say in my personal opinion as someone that has battles with binge eating disorder, however, I think keto could be extremely helpful because with binge eating, many experts will claim it's all emotional eating. I have to highly disagree with that. At least for me personally, 
yes, in the beginning I would binge eat due to emotional reasons, but after a while it wouldn't even matter what mood I was in, what happened that day, if I was triggered or not. My body was hooked and addicted on sugar. It's a physiological response to crave sugars and sweets and fats and carbs. So by cutting out and stopping the source of our addiction... By cutting out the sugar and the carbs, our body won't crave them anymore. As someone that's done keto, this is my second time around. I can honestly say I have zero cravings for pasta and all those foods I would binge on. Because who's binging on Brussels sprouts? Let's be real. So I think keto would be a good idea for anyone that struggles with binge eating. But I think it's very personal. If you have bulimia, such as yours truly here... I would say you need to be at least three years out in your recovery before you can start dabbling in any specific diet or diet plan. But if you work with a doctor or a dietitian, they can really cater this to you. Please discern, use your own judgment. You know what your limits are. You know what your triggers are. And you know, like, if it's a good idea or not for you. Notice if you're going to start getting carried away with counting calories and measuring food and portion sizes because we don't want to go there. I personally don't have to worry about calories at all on keto. I honestly maybe eat three times a day on keto. I'm not snacking all the time. I'm hardly ever thinking about food until I'm hungry, so it's really nice for me. So please use your own intuition and I want to say like common sense here. Um, And don't worry about what other people are doing. Just focus on yourself. If you think that doing keto is going to make you feel better, start there. Don't start with trying to look a certain way or achieve a certain amount of weight loss. That will happen naturally. But please take care of yourself mentally and physically first before jumping into anything that could kind of throw you off board, so to speak.